but I look at almost at my role um, in leadership as like the goalie. Like I'm the last line of defense, right? I'm always here for you. I guarantee I'm on the field with you. I am a part of the team, but I'm not going to interrupt your offense and you doing good things. Every single individual has a story to tell and they're great stories that need to be heard. I want every listener to know they have the ability to change the world. Welcome to the 1720 Podcast. What's up, Mount Movers? Welcome back to 1720. Kevin and Stuart here with you. Hey, everybody. And we're in the last week of March, and we're excited to highlight women in construction with our good friend, Nicole Little. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. Happy to be here. So we usually, for the, those listeners for the last few episodes, this is, we kind of get kicked off with what, what what I think we sort of jokingly call the elevator speech. Um, just stuck in an elevator. For those listeners who don't know you, who is Nicole? Um, I am a born and raised Texan. Um, I grew up in deep South Texas, um, went away for four years for college and ran home. Uh, it was too cold. I was in Boston. So, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I, uh, am married for 14 years yesterday to my husband, Patrick, have two girls, um, almost 10 and five and a half. Um, so they're both in elementary school. Um, I've worked for Turner Construction for my entire career. Um, I started as an intern in 1999 and here we are 2021 20, and I'm still here. Um, and, uh, I'm the deputy operations manager and a project executive currently for Turner. And, um, just, uh, kind of some side things. I've always had a passion for education. Um, and then just another, th- I'm kind of a no drama kind of person. So, uh, you know, the construction industry is, uh, Sometimes drama, but not so much as other industries. So I kind of like that. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. Like uh, we don't have time for drama That's for the right. most part. Yeah, we, there's a schedule and people have to get things done, and yep. we have time for that. Yeah. Yep. That was an awesome elevator pitch. <laughs> I mean, she she went full circle around the the family, the work. We usually don't get that. We usually go straight into work. So yeah. it's funny to see how people um, identify themselves. Yeah, right. Like you get um, if you listen across the first like, and I have a tendency to do this. The first five minutes of mm-hmm. all the episodes, like you get lot people identify themselves in lots of different ways. Yeah. Um, but you did a pretty good job of just like, this is everything. Yeah. So that's and, good job. You know, I, I, I think I, pro- I don't even know really, but I think I started with my family and, um, I think that that comes with me everywhere. It just always does. Like you'll, you'll probably never hear me in a work situation and you haven't heard about something family related or my husband said this or my kids did that. And, um, you know, talking about women in construction, that's one of the things I think, you know, we bring, it's hard. I, I, I think sometimes you think you have to separate those two things. And to me, I'm not my authentic me. If you're not hearing about, you know, my kids or my husband or, you know, what I've done outside of work. And it's just part of the, you know, authenticity that I think is, is important. Do you think that's, I'll just jump right into that. The, um, I, I find myself doing that too, a little bit. And, and oftentimes, even apologizing at work, be like, "Hey, man, sorry, but uh, got another kid story to tell you." Like last night, blah blah blah, or just sharing with coworkers and stuff. And you think that's a a new thing? You think that's something that people are doing these days? Because I would say, I would dare say, like my grandfather didn't do that at work. Right. You know, um, what's the why? Why are people doing that more? Uh, you know, I do think it's uh, I, I do think it's a new thing. I think the it seems like the leadership tides are changing a little bit into more of you know caring and. Um, active caring. That's, you know, that's something we really preach at Turner. And, um, I forgot to say this earlier, but, you know, these are everything I say here. That's, that's my views, not necessarily Turner's views. I'm very lucky in that they align very much. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think we're starting to, to care about the whole person more, mm-hmm. right? You're start, especially during COVID, right? All the mental health aspects and you know, everything that everybody was going through. And, um, I, I, you know, I think if an organization hadn't transformed, COVID has really pushed that. I mean, you know, people were at home, you saw what was behind them, right? Yeah. You could read what books on their bookshelf, that yeah. kind of stuff, right? So, um, you know, if it wasn't already transforming, I think that, um, COVID has brought more of the whole person to we, work. Oh, I'm sorry. No, yeah. We talked about that last week off air, but on family as well. Like mm-hmm. the leadership tide is changing, but I look back at my childhood compared to what we're doing with children now and it's changing for the better Yeah, of involvement and love and yeah. saying I love you and all that sort of stuff at yep. home, how important that is and transformational. So. Yep. 
there's an interesting, um, and again, I know I do this every time, just instantly in the ditch, but the mental health <laughs> overlay to COVID, I've been reading a lot about that lately. Mm-hmm. Have y'all been experiencing that in the workplace? You know, I would say probably not so much um, in the construction industry because at least here in Texas or in Dallas, we were an essential business, right? So we actually didn't get to really mm-hmm. stop. Right. And, um, you know, there were uh, during some of the really intense times, you know, we let people work from home who could work from home. Um, but a lot of people, I mean, the work happens where the work happens. And so people still had to come in. So at least for me, I'm, uh, you know, work has been my release. You know, I, I meet up with friends and, and things like that or see, you know, fellow parents at my kid's school who are like, you know, oh, I'm so happy to be out of the house. And I, I don't get that yeah. because I have been, I have been physically, you know, at work. Um, but yeah, I think it's weighing on people a lot. You know, just the isolation of it and almost, <laughs> almost forgetting like what the world is like out there, you know? Um, but I, you know, luckily I've, you know, I've escaped some of that, but I, I noticed it in my kids. Um, when they had to do school from home, they were different people. Oh, um, for sure. yeah. So I'm, I'm happy they're in in-person school. We've done that as, you know, as much as we could. And it, you know, it was a calculated risk, obviously, to send them back in September, but, um, really good protocols, you know, there at school, we have really good protocols at work. So I honestly feel, I feel safer at work and I feel safer with them at school than like in target, yeah, you know? So right. we, we had the, um, the school conversation sent them back and there's been almost mm-hmm. zero like student to student transmission. Right. But one of the things I was going to come back to is Kevin and I, a lot of my industry friends, cause I'm a lawyer and we were not essential. Right. I mean, yeah. we, we kind of were, but they were like, go home. Right. right? So we, we, we did do the work from home thing. And so despite the fact that all my clients were out still busy, yep. I spent about nine months in a back bedroom on a right. folding table mm-hmm. and um, quickly got worn of that. Yep. But um, the last month or so, maybe even as little as two weeks, been out a little bit more, doing a little bit more, like seeing people again and just thinking, oh, this is better than yes, that. Yes, it is. This is, this it is, is. This is good. And so. in this industry, you know, where we build things where people are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need that, right? right? We want that. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of building things, mm-hmm. Bennett Turner forever. So let's talk a little bit about that, you know, how you landed there and, and your your time at Turner. Sure. So um, I actually started at Turner as an intern um, in, in Boston. Um, and then uh, I uh, quickly, as you heard me say, I quickly ran back home to Texas where it was warmer. So, uh, started, I actually started in the field as a field engineer. Um, so that's something I think is really, really important, you know, to know your business from, um, from where the work happens, you know, the lean word is the gimba, right? And I really believe in that. But, um, so I started there kind of, uh, quickly moved into project engineering role and then project management, project executive, and now deputy operations manager. And, you know, some of the, the, uh, opportunities, well, I, I skipped one, which was cost engineer, which was, uh, kind of in the financial side of our business. And so I guess that goes along with what I'm going to say next, which is, you know, some of those opportunities you ask for, and some of them are given to you or, you know, suggested to you. Right. That cost role was one of them. And, uh, I went in kicking and screaming and came out so grateful that, um, that I did that. I got, you know, a lot of exposure to the financial side of our business, a lot of exposure to our management at a very young age and the way they think. Um, and, uh, you know, just the, the business of our business as yeah. opposed to just the construction side of our business. I went from counting embeds to counting dollars, right? That's very different. Yeah. Um, so, you know, some of those, I think it's important for a lot of us, you know, and I tell a lot of our younger staff to realize that, um, you know, take every one of those opportunities as a learning experience, right? I mean, I was reading budget reports and I was just telling somebody this yesterday. You want to know lessons learned? Read a budget report because all of the issues are listed there because they cost extra money. Mm -hmm. And so there's learning opportunities. And, you know, that's one of the things that I've always tried to take out of anything I've done is, you know, what's the learning opportunity in it? And I think that's something I really try to impart on, you know, the younger staff. So, I mean, like, you know, 22 years, it's been a great place for me to be. Um, it's definitely, you know, evolved, um, continuing to evolve. Um, and, you know, relative to women in construction, um, 
the average across the industry is somewhere like 10 to 11 percent. Um, and in our Dallas business unit, um, we have somewhere like 27, 30 percent. Um, so that's great. Um, and, uh, you know, we have had a continued growing presence. Um, we have a Dallas women's group um, that we formed uh, probably three years ago and really started pushing, you know, women in construction and, you know, WIC week, women in construction week. Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously was earlier in March. And so, um, I, you know, I've always, I've had a great experience there. Um, and, uh, you know, there's tough days, but there's tough days everywhere. Um, and we have great people, though. That's what keeps you coming back every day, or at least me. Are those percentages uh, industry-wide or are those Turner percentages? Those are industry percentages. Um, and, you know, kind of takes into account um, craft as well, which obviously is even, even less. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, what I'm, uh, happy to see and proud of at Turner is that, um, you know, it, it's going to take into account all your families, marketing and HR and finance and, you know, those that don't necessarily do the work or manage the, you know, the physical operations work, but we're starting to have more and more females in the operations side of the business, um, which is really exciting to see. Yeah. When I think of, uh, again, I'm just a regular middle-aged white dude so when i think but when i think of women in construction i think of women like in the field right and 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 i haven't really put my arms completely around the idea that there are women in the office with the operations and accounting and marketing and all the other core business functions Mm -hmm. Uh, i think more in the field maybe even like to the trade level right uh, encouraging women to get in there but there's obviously opportunities across the whole business uh, for women in construction yeah there are and um you know, trade obviously as a, as a female is, is much more difficult. It's, you know, to some extent manual, um, you know, the conditions are a lot, a lot different. So, um, you know, we like to celebrate them as much or more than, than ourselves who are in the more professional type roles during, you know, WIC week and really, you know, at any time, but, um, there's a big focus on it, you know, during that, that one week in March. The, tell me, well, go ahead, Kev. I was going to say, I continually take that for granted because in your Turner journey, I believe I, I came in when you were a project manager yep. and I'm Maxim. Yep. And what's funny to me is this is my second like production related request <laughs> with you. You did the promo video I, for I us did, after we yeah. finished the job. Yep. And what was cool to me was it was just a great job. You're a great person. We got along well. And then following that, when we would get an ITB, it's like, well, it's a Turner ITB, but I need to know, is it Nicole sell of people? Because <laughs> yeah. there's a trust level with the performance oh, yeah. that's going to happen. But yeah. I never really thought about the the woman side of it. I was just like on a professional work right. side, like she has her stuff together. So I want to, I want to work with her. And so just to turn that full circle, now that it, like uh, people like Melanie and yourself that right. sit in this chair, I'm like, I take those for granted, like yeah. how special and rare that was. And I think we're going to get into it with lack of role models and now you're becoming one of those and all that sort of stuff. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. It, you know, um, I, I, I actually speaking of Melanie, listened to her podcast. Uh, and one of the things she said was, you know, when she was little th- you know, thanks to her parents, right. She, she never felt like there was anything she couldn't do. And I think my parents were probably the same way. You know, I, I don't know that they pushed me you know, specifically one direction or another, but I did a lot of STEM programs and actually STEM wasn't a thing then, right? It was just science and math and, you know, kind of going into those arenas and they never really told me I couldn't, they didn't, they didn't tell me what I could do. And they also didn't tell me what I couldn't do. They just let me sort of, you know, explore and venture. And so I guess my philosophy has kind of always been like, I just want to be the best. I don't want to be the best female project manager. I just want to be the best project manager. Yeah. You know, and or I don't want to be the best female whatever. I just want to be the best whatever that I can be. Um, and uh, you know, it's I think it's important to also find people like, you know, Kevin, I appreciate you saying that because um, I, that's always what I've strived to be. You know, I, I just happen to be female, right? I've been reading a little bit, not a lot, admittedly, but a little bit about sort of the destructive nature of that adjective. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I, I want to be the best woman or, or right. African American or like, right. no, that's not like putting that clarifier or qualifier right. in front is like destructive to the D D E I D and I, however mm-hmm. we're saying it mm-hmm. process. Like just leave that alone. Right. You're going to go be the best PM. That's right. Period. Full stop. Yeah. Move on. Yep. And, and, um, you know, s- some of it, you know, as a, a female, I, to some, you know, to some extent and sometimes almost had blinders onto it. Um, and didn't necessarily, you know, I think back to when I was a field engineer, 
And I mean, that was 20 years ago. And I don't know that there were others, you know, um, here in Dallas, Man- Mandy uh, Foltz was at the same time that I was, we didn't know each other back in the day. Um, but, uh, but there wasn't a lot of us, you know, actually in the field, but I didn't, I, I guess I didn't know, maybe I didn't care. Um, I just wanted to be the person who could, you know, who could answer the questions, right? It didn't matter if I was female or male or purple or black or white or Hispanic or whatever. I just wanted to be the one who could help to get the answers. And I think eventually, uh, you know, I became that to the trades, um, you know, that I was kind of managing. Um, and, and so at that point they didn't care. They just started coming to me, you know, asking the questions, knowing that I could help them get the answers. Um, and so, you know, I, I almost blinded myself to it unknowingly. And, and that was probably helpful. Yeah. Well, do you have experiences along the way? Because obviously I want to kind of crescendo to what 2021 looks like mm-hmm. as a woman in construction. But on your your path from here, from there to 2021, do you have stories along the way where you're like, oh, I, I see how that was different then? Or with the benefit of hindsight, like your your experiences are colored differently with the benefit of hindsight? Yeah, um, I, I think to some extent, um, you know, I, I think there are more females now and it, it is a little bit more accepted um, you know, I, I, on my very first job when I was a field engineer, and this is where you start to realize, you know, if I, if I did have those blinders on, this is when they come off mm-hmm. is I got a lewd picture drawn of me on a steer stringer, oh, right? Wow. It happens. And, and I, you know, I don't really tell many people that it doesn't necessarily define a whole lot, but it happens. And, and, you know, maybe, you know, Turner is the company or, you know, the industries in general had sexual harassment policies and that kind of thing back then. But it's 20 years ago, like things were actually were different. I was lucky that my superintendent, he didn't need a policy. That was wrong. Yeah, He fixed it. He brought everybody together and he said, we don't do this. Right. And so I had him as my ally and my advocate because he was just a good person. And so that still happens. I hope and I think that it happens less now because there is more awareness and because companies do have, you know, policies and you wish you didn't have to tell people not to do things like that, but you do. Yeah. Um, and so I think those things happen um, a little bit less. Um, and, uh, you know, as there are more, um, you know, more of us women, um, you know, to, to, to be role models and to be in leadership and just to be in the room. Um, then I think it becomes less of an oddity, less of a boys club when, you know, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. But it, you know, it still happens now and then I got asked one time, uh, and this was only a couple of years ago, you know, we had TIFFs treats at a, um, like a client little get together deal mm-hmm. and came over and jokingly was like, did you make the cookies? <laughs> and I said, no, but, but like, my superintendent did. Yeah. Right. Like really, and uh, you know, so um, and, yeah, I, and this I, I was, laugh at that not because it's funny, but because it's appalling, right? Like because you're just yeah. like, come on, man, yeah, you know this sort of thing. Yeah, and and I, it, you know, I try. Part of me tries not to think that it's uh, that it's targeted that he would have said that to anybody, but I really don't think so. Um, and was he? Does he think it was funny? Maybe, but did I think it was funny? Not really, right? Um, but uh, you know, when I said no, my superintendent Joe did. He stepped back realizing, oh, I probably wouldn't have said that to Joe. Right. And so it takes a little bit of that. Um, and believe me, afterwards, I was like, crap, I just said that to the client, you yeah. know. I, but I, I didn't say anything that was more offensive than what he did. Um, you know, I, I just, I I turned the tables and, you know, made it uh, apparent that, that, you know, that's not appropriate, uh, but in a, you know, in a, in an appropriate way. That's a tough, um, that's a tough line to tow. Um, and I don't, it just socially, right? Because on one hand, if a, a man would have said that to another man, he could have retorted quickly right. and probably more pointedly. Mm-hmm. And then they would have chuckled it off. Right. And I, and I'll kind of come back to that point by telling a story, but, um, it, this would have been like in the early 2000s, I coached a, a high school mock trial team mm-hmm. over at Lake Highlands High School, and we, at the time, the um, the the team was comprised primarily of girls, um, probably sixty five percent girls. And I, my wife and I coached them at the time, and we would have to tell them at the time, like y- you guys can say the exact same thing I say mm-hmm. with the exact tone, body posture, inflection, volume, mm-hmm. everything, and then I say it, and I am strong, right? And you say it. 
And people are like, man, what's up with that? Right. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and I, I think we're probably kind of getting away from that. But I'm always sympathetic to the idea that if someone says something offensive to me, I'll just pop you on it. Right. Whereas a woman, you, you, it's different. Like the you have to stand up for yourself, but it's a lot trickier to do it, it seems like. It, it is. And, you know, I've found a few things that work. That's one of them, kind of turning the tides yeah. and making them think, like, would you really say the same thing to a man? Right. Um, that seems to work pretty well. But, you know, it's um, it's it's few and far between, um, especially now, um, you know, as I've escalated in my in my career. Um, you know, now it, it's funny because, you know, I'll go out to a job site and, you know, I'm the one being escorted, you know, around by the, by the project manager, which the trades know that means, Oh, she's like the brass, you know, whatever they want to call it. Everybody uh, get to work. The boss, the whatever. And so that automatically makes a diff, you know, kind of makes a, a difference. And they, you know, they see that differently. Like, Oh, the superintendent and project manager are deferring to her or, you know, and so then, you know, that flips for them. Um, you know, unfortunately there's, not a lot of it, right? There's, you know, despite the fact that there's more and more women in the industry, there's, you know, the the rise to leadership is going to follow that, right? So yeah. we're not quite in the leadership, you know, as much as we want to be yet. Um, but I think, I mean, that'll come, right? It's just the wave has to move. Um, and I think, you know, once there's more and more in leadership, then we hopefully won't be talking about this, right? It won't be women in construction week. And then as my husband joked, okay, now it's time for 51 weeks of men in construction. <laughs> I was like, really? Um, but it's honestly, right. We get we- one week and the, the one week is just to really celebrate it and, and point it out. Um, and hopefully, you know, we don't, you don't want to have to do that. Yeah. Right? You kind of want it to go away, maybe. We talked about uh, something similar like that with Thomas uh, the other day, that we were kind of on the heels of uh, um, Black History Month. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that just February is right. Black History <laughs> Like, it's a similar thing, right? Like, yeah. doesn't we're just not going to have women in construction one week out of the year. Right. Like, it's, just a, it's just a flashpoint to just remind you uh, as we continue to take right. steps to make progress in these areas. I'm happy and almost relieved to see a common thread between you, Holly Crowder, and then Melanie Rainey, that you had a role model that protected and Mm -hmm. guided and, you know, same similar timeline of around 20 years ago. I'm I'm relieved to hear that because I I thought I've been waiting for some horror stories to come from 20 years ago to today, and maybe it wasn't as bad, but mm-hmm. it's the inclusion piece that we need to get much better on. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a few things that I, uh, you know, kind of posted on some few thoughts that I posted on my LinkedIn during women in construction week. And one of them was like, find your advocates and your allies, right? Those people who want you to succeed and who will stand up for you and stand beside you. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm lucky that at that point in time, that superintendent he was that for me. And he is still one of my, he's still that Turner also. I've worked on a bunch of jobs with him. Um, it was, Maxim was one of them. I yeah. won't say his name because I don't know if he wants to be, but sure. you know who I'm talking about. Um, still one of my best, you know, best, best allies, right? Doesn't He doesn't care that I'm female at all. And, and, you know, my first foray into project management was with him as, you know, a, a male superintendent who's probably uh, 15 to 20 years older than me. And that's terrifying. It's terrifying, you know, when, when somebody to your seniority, um, you know, when you're managing them and then to be female and they're male, that's a whole nother dynamic. And he didn't care. Yeah. He, he, he thought I could make the project better. He thought, you know, he knew we worked together. Well, and, um, you know, and I appreciate that. And, um, you know, there's several of those people, um, throughout my career who have just said, I don't, I don't really care. Let's just get the job done. And you're one, you're a person who can stand beside me and do that. And, um, you know, until there's more females then they're going to be males. Um, and that's important for us as females to realize that we're going to have to find those male allies and male advocates until we are, if we ever become 50, 50, right. The um, there are a couple of points in there. One one of them I want to make is we've heard a lot of those stories of uh, an advocate who I, I probably sounds probably not the right way to say it, but kind of was a, ahead of their time. Like this guy was mm-hmm. standing up for women when it probably wasn't the cool thing to do to stand up for women. Right. Like 
ninety percent of the other workplaces when that drawing gets drawn, right. they snicker about it. Right. But this guy's like saying, "No, man, stop. Enough of that." And, right. and there's there's more than just the few stories we've heard, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think just kind of saying, "Hey." Those people exist, and thanks for kind of being a trailblazer in this area for everybody uh, is something important to say to them. Yeah, and you know, he also had a daughter. Man. I think that's important. Yeah, it was was, um, Melanie's story, I think, Mm -hmm. that gentleman had a daughter. Yeah, it it makes, I think it makes a huge, huge difference. It really does, Um, you know, for for, uh, people who have daughters, all of a sudden it opens your eyes to like, oh my gosh, this this is a thing. It really exists. And I, by chance, have two daughters. And it is absolutely a thing. When it is hard for me one day, um, you know, I push through because I want them to know that they can do whatever they want, right? And that it doesn't matter. You know, mommy works in a, you know, in a business with mostly men, right? Chances are if my phone rings and they pick it up, it's a man's name. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, and, uh, but that now that's normal for them, right? They start to see these, these things and maybe these inequities and what, you know, and, and, and they're almost blind to it, thankfully, Yeah. but I hope they grow up differently. And, and I'll tell you just a quick story. My daughter, my older daughter was asking me, I don't know how we started talking about it, but construction talk, we're talking about a manhole. She says, "Well, what's a manhole?" And and I said, I started started, started describing it. It's a place and to access pipe below the ground. She goes, "Well, why? You know, why is it? Why is it that?" And I said, "Well, I, it's just you know a man, fit, you know, fits through it and it's the size." And she goes, "No, no, 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 no. But why is it a manhole? Like a woman can't get in it?" And I was like, "Oh, well, yeah, sure, she could." And she goes, well, then why is it a manhole? Like, can it be a people hole? She's like, what about a peephole? <laughs> I was like, well, that's a great name. But, like, that didn't occur to me. It's just called a manhole sure. in our world. It's just what it's called. But she wanted to know, like, a woman can't get in it. And I was super proud because now that just lives and breathes in her, you know. And um, so, anyway, I think it makes a difference when you have, you know, women, whether those are daughters or whatever in your life, um, for, you know, men – to then want to advocate for other women they know. So my wife, Ashley, is uh, what I I like to jokingly refer to as a reformed lawyer. <laughs> we, we, we met in law school, um, and she had a really great downtown law firm job when we first came to Dallas. So now she has the, the great privilege and probably more difficult job of staying home with our kids. Yep. Um, but um, she, she often would sort of tell me, maybe not these words, but kind of in general sense, like, you don't know what it's like to be a woman mm-hmm. at the law firm, you know. At, at a law firm, it's similar, different, you know, but right. a, an industry generally dominated historically by males, and and here she is, a woman at the firm, and so she would tell me these stories that sort of opened my eyes to a few things, and I'm not saying I know what it's like, but she would say like, hey, the the dudes would all round up and go to lunch, yep, and pass right by my office, and they're all like they're people I started with, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're my peers, and they'd roll right by my office and not ask me to go. Like, what's up with that? You know, mm-hmm. and she would tell me these stories. It sort of like helped me begin the process of understanding, mm-hmm. like, it's it's different. And how do I how do I ch- make a little bit of change? And how do I identify that that's different and start to, to break it down? The reason I tell that story is to see if I can get you to say, hey, here's some things mm-hmm. that men in the workplace, men in construction need to know mm-hmm. about what it's like being a woman in construction so they can stop doing those things or start making change or reform in those areas. Right. Similar to that, just... Say, hey, you want to go to lunch with me? Story that Ashley told me. Right. And um, so so sometimes it's, you know, don't assume we don't want to, right? Let us make that decision. Like, you know, if you're going to go to Top Golf, don't assume we don't want to. Like, I'm terrible at swinging a golf club, but I'm good at hanging out, (laughs) right? Like, (laughs) and, you know, don't assume that, you know, I don't want to go to the skeet shoot or whatever. You know, a lot of these things, especially in our industry, tend to be male hobbies or, you know, those kinds of things. Hmm. And I'm not saying, you know, organize a thing for me to go get a manicure. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying don't assume that we don't want to. Like, may not be great at the thing. Like, you don't want me on your team, probably. (laughs) But, you know, I I might be pretty fun to hang out with. So, you know, that's one thing, you know, don't necessarily, um, uh, don't don't exclude... Don't exclude us. If we're going to let us exclude ourselves, if we, if, should we choose to, you know, to do that? Um, you know, I think um, another thing is just, you know, also recognizing that it, just the, the pure recognition that it is different, you know, and I, I applaud 
Um, a lot of the people that I know um, and, and hang out with and, and you know, are, are consider like good colleagues, you know, good friend colleagues for not realizing that because to them it's not a thing, mm-hmm. which is great. Unfortunately, you might be the minority yeah. of that, right? You know, Kevin, I, I thank you for saying what you said, like you were just a good project. Great. But some people don't think that way, right? And, you know, some people, anybody I tell the story about getting a picture drawn are like, are you kidding me? Yeah, no, I'm not exempt from that, right? Um, Just because I worked for Turner and wasn't a trade employee, right? Um, You know, those things happen to all of us in some some respect. Everybody's been asked if they made the cookies, so to speak, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, recognize that that is a thing. Um, also figure out, you know, step in and, and just speak up for us, right? I have in that cookie situation, I was, you know, not around somebody. Uh, so I spoke up for myself. But sometimes it is hard for us to speak up um, against that, you know, be that person that's going to speak up, you know. And the same, the same thing with, you know, any sort of allyship that we've really been hearing a lot of lately. Just be the person that understands that it is real and, you know, stand beside us and, you know, speak up. We, we had a strategic retreat in January, and uh, our administrative assistant, I really wanted her to go, but it was going to be an overnight thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm calculating all this in my head mm-hmm. and just like to think about some of these points. I wanted her to come, and I wanted her expertise on, on things and just like the group think part. And so I call her in the office, and I'm like, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Um, this is the layout. It would be overnight thing. Mm-hmm. Would you be comfortable staying overnight with you know 10 guys is that going to be cool with you Mm -hmm. and her comment was this office has never made me feel uncomfortable since i started here i'm absolutely Mm -hmm. interested and so to your point earlier like if i wouldn't have asked her that i would have excluded her right off an assumption she would have been uncomfortable and i would have been dead wrong yep it's a good i mean i I asked that question very deliberately of you but Mm -hmm. it's a good question kind of to to follow that lead is to just ask the questions like what what is it I'm doing that makes you feel uncomfortable in the workplace, mm-hmm. or what can I what can we do differently here organizationally right. that breaks down a wall or something? And you can't ask the dude who offices next to you that question. Like you have to ask your your female coworkers, hey, what is it that we could do better at? And that's a conversation at the office right now, right. is because we're 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 trying to be more flexible um, with alternative working arrangements and all this, you know, these other things, and encourage women to stay in the practice of law. Yep, and we've made some assumptions corporately as to what that would look like. And all of a sudden we're like, wait, this isn't working. I need to know what you want. Yep. I can't, I, I can't solve your problem. I can't, that's not the right way to say it. Yep. I can't, I can't figure it out right. without your input. And so I guess maybe that's another, another takeaway is just ask the questions, like in, engage in some dialogue around this issue. Yeah. And, and it, it, and I think this goes for anything. It's really helpful sometimes to be asked, right? We, there may be a lot of ideas and, and, in any situation where a lot of people have ideas, but they don't, uh, they don't necessarily know if they should bring them forth. But if you ask them, it all comes out. Mm. Right. And so, you know, and then, you know, no matter what answer you get or you don't get, or they say, well, I never really thought about that. I'll have to get back to you. It sticks with people. The fact that you just asked, right. It means you're thinking about it. I mean, that's meaningful. Um, and so it's great to hear that, you know, you guys are doing that at your practice and, um, you know, you know, we, like I said, we have the Dallas women's group. And so, you know, now we, I don't want to say we like banded together or anything, but you know, we, we can bounce ideas off of each other first and decide who's the most appropriate to bring this idea. And so that's helpful also, but not, you know, not all organizations, you know, have, uh, something like that. And, um, you know, where it, it, it may seem trivial, like, oh, we're just going to, you know, put ourselves in, in a group. It really is helpful um, because sometimes people don't know, um, you know, whether it's um, like appropriate to ask or appropriate to say or whether it's meaningful. And so I, I like what you said about just ask somebody. Yeah, I struggle with that. Yeah. I Now that uh, Holly's been on the show, which she was uh, CHRO with Beck. Uh-huh. So she's a friend, she's a female, and she was... C-suite of HR, so I'm like perfect person to ask. <laughs> and so I was going, I was navigating some waters on a different issue. I'm like, hey, what can I do here? And her answer is basically like, 
all of that. You right. can you can ask all that, but I I do get timid on like, can I even ask this question, mm-hmm. or will it be offensive? Like some sometimes I struggle with that, and that's mm-hmm. an important reason to have a peer group because yeah. there's in your office there's times where I can't ask anybody around me. I need to vet this out with somebody. Maybe they've been through it before. Yep. So. Yeah. Okay. So our next, um, Kevin does a great job of creating like these tear sheets yeah. for us. And the next one that I, we've kind of hit on a little bit about, I want to take it straight on is, is role models right. in the construction industry. And, and, uh, as I recall, you posted some LinkedIn stuff about mm-hmm. women role models and, and sort of a deficiency in that regard. And so let me just, you know, softball that one to you. Okay. Role models in construction for women. Um, we really, I think had to get creative, um, you know, and, and, um, a lot of the, when I started 20 years ago, um, I honestly cannot think of on the operation side, you know, I'm an operational type person. I can't think of a female project manager that I knew within my sort of arena. I'm sure all over the country, maybe there were some, but all, this was also 20 years ago when like, yeah, there wasn't social media and you weren't reaching out. All It was just different. Um, Project engineers is really almost where I, I saw it stop. Mm. Um, and either they stopped themselves there for some reason, or at that point in time, you know, maybe got to the point where they were having kids and then it was too hard and either jumped to a different part of the industry or left the industry um, because they're just maybe the flexibility. I'm not sure, but it, it, it just wasn't really there. Um, my very first project in Dallas, um, I had a, a project engineer who was one of my a role model. She did that. She let, you know, she had a, a child and then went to kind of a different part of Turner, like our uh, kind of training group type deal. Um, and, uh, so that was, I don't want to say it was disappointing, but man, I really, I did look up to her. I wanted to be her as a project engineer and then wanted to see what she did. And then it kind of stopped on that same project. Um, our, um, the program manager, it was a, an ISD project. Um, there was actually a female who was a, a Susan Hansen. I don't know if you know that name, but she's still in the industry. And I think she works for Jacobs now and she's a director. I don't know what her title is. Um, but you know, she didn't work for Turner, but she was, around right and she was you know basically our owner's rep so you know she probably doesn't know (laughs) but that was impactful right and she's still in the industry you know whatever that was 2004 so 16 17 years later like that's awesome Um, but it just there wasn't a lot of it Um, and so you know you kind of had to either use men as your role models or just grit your teeth and say I'm gonna be it right I don't see it. So if it's not me, then who's it going to be? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I hope now, you know, that there's some of us who have gritted our teeth through it um, and just stuck it out um, are now hopefully going to be that for this wonderful group of females that are now, you know, starting to populate the industry to more than, you know, 10%. I- I, I say a couple of times, I like when you can like see a thread and, and, um, through like episodes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And again, Thomas, when we talked with Thomas, he said something about that too, is like he, he only thought he could ever be mm-hmm. some particular thing because he didn't see anyone like him mm-hmm. in those other spaces. And, and I just, I, I, being a white dude, I'm like, man, that kind of like wrecks my mind. Cause that obviously there's white people in the, you right. know, like white men. Do, and so I, I've never like personally experienced that. But when you say, when I hear Thomas say that, when I hear you say mm-hmm. that, I think mostly about this kind of, this term of like people being trailblazers, right? Like mm-hmm. there will be a whole generation of women in construction who will be able to look to you and say, ah, I, I see where I can go now, as opposed to saying, I either got to get out or right. grit down on this. Um, and, and Thomas talked about a little bit too. And you talked about, is it Susan? I think you said, yep. um, those are great stories of like, just moving forward, you know? You want to know a funny story? Yeah, I love funny stories. <laughs> that, uh, maybe it's just an ironic story. That job I'm talking about, uh-huh. I was on with Thomas. Oh, really? Yeah, isn't that crazy? That is wow. really crazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, an assistant superintendent at the time. Yeah, that so is that, a- that ISD project, yeah. So Kev- I know Kevin him from said, way back. Yeah, Kevin said it to start the episode with Thomas about how construction is like a huge industry, yeah. but yet so small, yeah. right? It's like uh, the ride at Disney World, right? So yep. It's a yeah. small world after all. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Cool, cool, cool. Um, all right, so I kind of got us into a hole there. Tell me, Kevin, help us, help us pull us out here. Well, I wanted to say one more thing about the Thomas episode and your point. Yeah. He came into that and seeing that there wasn't anything, anyone like him, and so trying to find that role model. But he came from a country that mm-hmm. everyone was like him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, th- that perspective shift from everyone to I can't find somebody. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. it's That's that's interesting to hear because, you know, we're talking about me being a female. Um, I'm also Hispanic. Um, my last name's Little. That's obviously my husband's last name. Um, but, uh, I come from, uh, I said I was from deep South Texas. So along the border, um, and, uh, you know, probably 95% Hispanic and everybody there is Hispanic also. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I leave to go to school in Boston and whoa, (laughs) it thankfully, you know, I went to a school that was a melting pot. Mm -hmm. So everybody was somebody different. Um, but, um, you know, I grew up where speaking, you know, I flew it in Spanish and uh, speaking Spanish was not a big deal. Um, you know, everybody did it. Um, but uh, y- you also hear, you know, I hear things from people in the industry about, you know, Hispanic, you know, just bad talk about that. Um, and uh, and I-, I didn't grow up realizing that either because I was the majority mm. in that situation. Um, and so I don't know, I, you know, I've thought about this at some point in time, like, you know, did that have any, you know, have any effect on me being a, you know, a female also? And, and, you know, I was always a majority minority, so I never really saw differences. Um, I don't know, you know, um, I don't know what sort of crafted my, you know, my views in terms of not really realizing that as a female, I was, it was any different, but all of it, yeah, (laughs) all of it crafted it. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting, like you, how your how your life experiences and what, the way you view things is all just such a weird, unpackable smorgasbord oh, yeah. of information. <laughs> yeah, like, your worldview, right? That's a great yeah. question. I have no idea how to figure that out. Yeah. But it's a really good point. You know, we could be here till tomorrow, <laughs> right? So, from a role model standpoint, now that you are at this level, I'm sure you have things internally, but just you feel this obligation to step up and be a role model for many uh, when it comes to women in construction? I mean, I hope so. I don't think there's anything like specific I'm doing, right? I I don't, I don't want to, you know, don't feel like I'm doing anything different, but I will say, you know, when you asked me, did I want to come on here? My, of course, right. Of course I want to talk about this, right. If I'm going to be at this point in time now, if if I'm going to be given the opportunity, you know, to talk about, women in construction, then I'm going to do it. Right. Or just to talk about women in the workplace or, you know, whatever the, you know, working parents, that's another one of my, Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, this world was not created for working parents. <laughs> um, all the, you know, all those things that I'm, you know, really passionate about. If, if I can, you know, have an opportunity to, you know, to talk about them, I want, you know, I want to do it. I really feel like awareness is, you know, is the first, you know, step one, um, so I don't know that, you know, I'm particularly doing anything, uh, you know, differently, but I, I just hope that just by being here, right. Oh, that's yeah. different. Oh yeah. So, well, and talking about it, right. I mean, yep. I, I, again, I, I think the construction industry probably is an industry that historically has been like, um, just quiet. Right. Right. Like just nose down. Yeah. We do just kind of churn, churn, you know, chug along. Yep. Yeah. And, and there's a dialogue now around a bunch of different issues mm-hmm. as a result of a bunch of different things. There's a dialogue around these things and people are talking about it. I don't have enough like historical perspective to say maybe for the first time, but it sure mm-hmm. feels like for at least in a meaningful way for the first right. time. It feels different. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's interesting. And so I'm glad, I'm glad people are talking. I'm glad people are saying, you know, speaking up and, Mm-hmm. Uh, a raising awareness and and all this stuff and um, I know I know Turner's doing a great job at it internally as, as, and I know you are doing a great job internally and externally just to yeah. speak up let's talk let's, yeah it let's is. have a dialogue it, it's a it's a big focus and it kind of goes back to something you know what we were talking about uh you know in terms of a leadership shift right just recognizing the whole person mm-hmm. yeah who was it was talking about the whole person uh, was it Sorelli? We were talking about the whole person concept that the SEALs had undertaken. Yeah, Everything but is- it's called the whole man concept. Oh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just rewind and delete that. We'll take that. <laughs> hey, that's why we're highlighting it, man. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. All right, I, I don't, I don't even know that it's on our list, but you, you brought it up, so I'm going to go to it. Um, 
a working parent. Yep. How hard is that? It's awful. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I and I don't even want to say working mom because it is working parent, right? Um, my, um, my husband, um, you know, who is a, a you know wonderful partner to me and he's in the industry also he worked at Turner for a long time and he now works for a millwork company, GR millwork. They're actually out of Oklahoma, but he works from home mm-hmm. kind of run, you know, sort of their doubt da- or their Texas based stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, so now he has a little bit more flexibility to be able to get the kids from school, you know, do things. And, um, our daughter had a Daisy girl scout meeting. I can't remember exactly what it was, but you know, it's from like four to five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah, eye of course roll, it is. right? Oof. And 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 That's normally, <laughs> normally they're and COVID has certainly not made it easier. So normally they stay in school, they're in aftercare, and all this this kind of stuff can happen. You know, they're just in school. They go from one yeah. room to another, do the meeting, go back, and then we pick them up at you know five thirty or six o'clock, and no different for us. Well, right. COVID's different, right? Everything's different, and so you know he couldn't take her. I couldn't take her. And he was like, well, this just is terrible. You know? And I said, yeah, welcome to working parent is terrible. It's just, it's not made for this. Yeah. And I said, you know, she's just, she's just not going to go. It's, it's not a big deal, right? We have to accept it. It's okay. You know, as part of, we'll call it character building. We can call it whatever we want for our children, right? They're not going to, they unfortunately are, they have two working parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they might miss out on stuff, but, you know, but that, but on the converse of that, they have two working parents. Right. Right. So I am, I don't think, you know, I will ever, even on the hardest days when I do say, forget it, I'm done. I can't do this. I'm just going to quit work or whatever. And, uh, not my resignation, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I just say, this is just too hard. What am I going to do? I say, no, I've got to do this because my kids need to know that they can too. Yeah. So. I caught that just yesterday, and him and it, it led to a face, a very funny FaceTime video call with Stuart. Um, <laughs> but my daughter has to go in for surgery again for ear tomorrow, mm-hmm. and this just got sprung on us like yesterday. Yeah, and I'm looking at my calendar. I'm like, my easy button is to tell my wife I'm mm-hmm. out, like right. I can't make it. And I'm like, and then I have to take a step back. I'm like, what, what's what's more important? Like, right. She wants me there. I should be there. Right. And so it's, all right, I'm canceling these or rescheduling these right. strings of meetings to make what's important, important. Right. And just with that little incident yesterday alone to clear my schedule for tomorrow morning surgery mm-hmm. goes to show how hard it is for two working parents, yeah. even with one child. And you yeah. have, Stuart has three, you have two. I right. Mean, double and triple the amount of effort yep. and sicknesses and surgeries. And I'm yep. quickly learning that at, when you have a kid, you are going to meet your deductible every single year. <laughs> like that is, that is just happening. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've had quite a few ER trips and slashed arms and busted eyes. And <laughs> right. we actually, it's a, again, squirrel moment, but we had a COVID ER trip, like early oh. COVID. We were like, uh, are we all going to die in the ER? Yeah, like we had no exactly. idea. But, um, but William was playing my oldest, my 13 year old was playing basketball with, um, my 11 year old, one of his buddies in the backyard. And they had decided they were going to wheel the goal down as low as it would go, which goes about six and a half feet, almost seven feet in the backyard. And William goes up to try to block a shot and hits his head on the corner of the, like the aluminum edge of the basketball goal and just comes in like just there's a trail of blood blood, gushing. The other, my Hayes' buddy, like, full panic hops on his bike and just goes home i'm out yeah i'm out and so we're like uh i guess we gotta go to the er you know but to your point yeah this is always something man yeah um yeah it's it i come back to that working parent thing though because ashley stays home like that's a hundred percent full-time job um but but i um it's difficult for me too because now with three kids like it's this one's here and this one's Mm -hmm. here and every day about two o'clock we have a call like okay what's this what's the logistics for the you know from here until we're out of energy at 10 30 right. like, what, what do the logistics look <laughs> yeah. like and how do we do it and i think that's a conversation frankly that's kind of new too because mm-hmm. um 30 years ago dads just go to work and right. they work until seven o'clock and they show up and the kids better be bathed and fed and almost in bed and right all that stuff and and it's a generation of dads who are saying you know what work is important but it is not the most important thing. And so I think, you know, dads had a tendency to just bury themselves in work. Yep. And now 
we're starting to feel some of that pressure to like to manage it and balance it and, and be a hundred percent dad and a hundred percent employee and all that stuff too. Yep. And so I'm not, it's not like a poor me dad talk, yep. but really just like a, yeah, it's, it's hard. I, w- it's hard working, to manage. It. Working dads will be transformative to working parents. Mm. Absolutely. Right. As more people are in your position, Kevin, right. And, and for instance, at, you know, at Turner, our kind of top leadership group, um, every one of us has school age kids. It makes a difference. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, yeah, every one of them dual working. Um, and it makes a difference because we get it. And because when somebody sees that I'm leaving early to take her to brownies or daisies or whatever, because my husband couldn't that day and that that's okay, then it becomes okay. Now you still have to get your stuff done. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's not a, there's not a hall pass or whatever, but, um, but it's transformative when, you know, people in those leadership positions differently from 30 years ago, um, face and can understand what those situations are. And, you know, there's a little bit of flexibility and hopefully it's less, you know, button seat time and mm-hmm. more get your stuff done and remote work helps all that and everything. Yeah. So I think there's a trend in the right direction, but, oh, it is just tough. All right. So I, let's see what do, I'm trying to flip back. Do we miss something here? Well, I want to, I got a couple things. Yeah. Go so ahead. on the role model piece, don't mm-hmm. discount the fact of how intentional it is with your two girls. Like, yeah. Oh yep. my goodness. Yep. What, yeah. what a role model they have with yeah. you that have, I don't want to say have made it, but for lack of a better term, have made it, you yeah. know, in an executive level in a male dominated industry. That is super awesome. Yeah. I, I, I do hope they realize, you know, realize that, but you know, we're, regardless you know we are intentional about um and i love hearing it regurgitated back there are no boy colors there are no girl girl colors right those kinds of things right why do they make legos in primary colors and then legos in pastel colors like it's just silly and um you know my kids my husband um you know likes working outside and in the garage and on his cars and stuff like that and they'll ranch on it with him right mm. and so it's just things like that you you know regardless of you know, what my position is at work or whether I'm in leadership or not, like we're, we try to expose them to those things. And I think, you know, with regard, um, you know, to, to my husband, when we had girls, it really, I think it really transformed his perspective as well. Right. He, he is fully supportive of what I do and, you know, and, and, you know, the fact that I am a female in construction, because now he sees that, that, that's needed for our girls. And it right. makes a big difference. Because you're not telling, you're showing. Right. And there's a lot yep. more influence from action than yep. words. Yep. I'm guilty of kind of ping-ponging back to something, but I, I'm, this, here's something I mess up every day, all the time, a lot, commonly. <laughs> is I love Home Depot is my happy place. Yep. And I'll go almost every Saturday, whether I need anything or not, yep. and walk, like literally walk, walk down aisle. every aisle, yep. just because I just want to see what's in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> and on the way out the door, almost every time, here's what I say. Hey, boys, when do y'all want to go? Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. And Ashley will commonly be like, well, Stella might want to go. Yeah. And the boys invariably... Nah, we don't want to go. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, right. So, hey, Stella, you want to go? Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll take her with me, you know, but just the idea that I, I don't think about it first, like that's just right. a- awareness. But man, like just taking her to the store with me like, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I'm like, hey, look at this shovel. And she's like, that's a cool shovel. <laughs> you know, like look at this nail gun and I don't need it and I don't buy it. But yeah. Anyway, it's just my happy place of just like taking her and just yeah, hanging you, out. With you them. don't, you don't know what's going to pique their interest. You really, you mm-hmm. really don't. And um, my husband does, I mean the same thing he'll bring him with him you know to Lowe's or you know whatever just just ask him hey do you want to do this with me and if they say no great but they might say yes mm-hmm. and uh you know so they'll you know go play outside in the dirt and ranch with dad as much as you know they'll watch you know ridiculous youtube videos or whatever but um uh you know i think just letting them know that they can do you know they can do that mm-hmm. you know and and basically you know whatever they want I mean, as long as it's safe and as long you know that, sure. <laughs> those those things but yeah but we talked about it offline or before we got started what's the family up to nowadays um so i, I mentioned a little bit of my husband so um you know he <laughs> he started a, a brand new job a week before the pandemic oh wow. good timing yeah great timing and he's <laughs> he's done phenomenal so um 
he's a lot of industry contacts. So um, thankfully didn't need to go meet people. Right. Yeah, Cause that right. obviously wasn't happening, but um, so he's doing, doing really, really well. Um, my uh, older daughter um, is uh, plays soccer, which I said, unfortunately, <laughs> fortunately, unfortunately, whatever makes me a soccer mom. Uh, and I'm going to air quote soccer mom. Right. <laughs> I don't have a minivan. Um, but, uh, so, you know, that's, uh, you know, that started back and, um, she plays goalie too, which is terrifying to me, but not to her, which is great. I think, um, my little one, we tried to, how much, how much pressure by the way, when she's in the goal oh my gosh, and it just awful. like, <laughs> it's, Stella plays goal every once in a while. It's just, she's eight. It's whatever. Yeah. But it's just like, <gasps> it's awful. The yeah. first times she did it, um, you know, I, I I mean I almost couldn't watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it it didn't seem to phase her, but I, I it really took me to take a step back and say, okay, she's literally the last line of defense. Yeah. Right. Other, you know, it's not if the goal gets by, it's not just her. Mm-hmm. You know, and I really had yeah. to like accept that for it. It went through eight other people before she was the last line of defense, and that really helped me be okay with it. None of the other parents are like upset if she misses the goal. I, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, is she going to, you know, how is she going to feel about it? And, you know, I think to some extent I had to tell her that too. Like, look, there's eight other people on the field. So it passed through, you know, eight other people before it got to you. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it's, it's tough. And it, it's funny. I was actually talking to, you know, I, I don't really, my kids experience with soccer is the extent of my experience with soccer, which means I don't really know a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people talk about offsides and I was like, I don't know what that means. But, um, but I look at, almost at my role um, in leadership as like the goalie. Like I'm the last line of defense, right? I'm always here for you. I guarantee I'm on the field with you. I am a part of the team, but I'm not going to interrupt your offense and you doing good things and all those kinds of things, right? I'm just back here in case it gets to me. Yeah. And if it gets to me, I'm going to try like heck to win. Yeah. Right. But I'm, I'm the goalie. I'm kind of back here. Just know I'm always here, but I'm your last line of defense. So. That's that's so good. Every once in a while, probably almost every, I get this spot where I get like like kind of chilly bumps. <laughs> I'm like, that is gold. That is gold because it go that is that's just straight gold. Period. It it goes to this idea we've been wrestling with the office. I'm a micromanager. Okay, you have to trust you have to trust your team. Yeah, and if I'm expected to be the goalie, uh-huh. I can't be down there right. being a forward too. Yep, you got, I have to trust that you're going to go be the forward. Yep, and if the forwards mess up, someone in center field is going to. I'm the goalie. Mm-hmm. I'm always here. Right. I'm always the last line of defense. You got to go be a forward. Right. Oh, man, I love that so much. That's the extreme ownership piece. Yes. Leadership. <laughs> yes. Yes. We, so going with the goalie concept, I call project managers quarterbacks. Like okay, you, yeah. can't just, you can't just be budgeting material. Like right. You're over schedule. Uh, the client relationship, vendor partners, mm-hmm. the shop budget, the field budget, like you have to keep all that rolling. And I know when I'm kind of getting out of balance, when people come to me for questions that they should answer, like, right. should we pick this class person or this class person? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do you think? It's right. you're, you're the quarterback of that job. Mm-hmm. And if I don't have that self-discipline to to have that answer and actually answer it for them, it, they're going to come more often. Yep. And it's really difficult. That was an amazing correlation between watching your <laughs> child play soccer yeah, yeah it's, and it's weird where you find inspiration yeah. right i mean <laughs> it's really good i, I was gonna talk hayes he doesn't play right now but he's a baseball player and similar he would pitch every once in a while uh-huh. and i would just have to your point of like he, i would have to just get up and go walk away uh-huh. from the parents because i was like i'm just gonna start muttering awful things under my breath and nervous and sweating and they're gonna think i'm crazy so i just have to remove yeah. myself from the fans because when they're that, when they're in that spot when the, the spotlight's on them yeah Kind of nervous, yeah, yeah, but it doesn't make, yeah, to the point of like you're the goalie at work, like Mm -hmm. it doesn't make me nervous for me to be the goalie. I agree, just watching (laughs) them be the goalie, that's yeah, yep, I agree. Anywho, um, okay, what what else we have on our list there? I I, I see you took some notes, and I'm always reticent to like try to wrap us up without hitting all your points, yeah, no, I, I I think we talked about a you know, a lot of that, um, you know, um. Kevin, uh, one of the questions he was asking was, you know, do you have any books that have made a monumental impact on your life? And I was telling you guys before, this is one of the things I I, I feel like I should really be embarrassed about, but I'm not a reader. Mm-hmm. Um, I read, I fall asleep. That's my real problem is I, I, I think You're I nar- like narcoleptic. I just go, you know, all the time. And then when I sit down with like a book, my brain just 
goes to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I let, you know, I read articles or like sometimes you find inspiration in memes, like, yeah, which okay. is bizarre. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, so the, the literal like last book I probably read, uh, was one that we had to read during a, a lean training. And, and I actually was, but, uh, everything I need to know about lean, I learned in first grade, but, mm. um, but it, um, you know, it's uh, all about, and I think my daughter was in first grade or in kinder maybe when I read it, but it was about routine, being organized. You know, the blue table has the blue scissors with the blue, you know, tape on the on the glues and, you know, all those things, visual management, organization, routine, and like, those are big in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, not just at work, but at home. My kids and in our life, we thrive on routine, right? I can tell you what time... You know, they need to be out of bed to the minute to what time they need to be eating breakfast so that we can be in the car by this time. Because if we're three minutes late later, the car line is ridiculously longer for some reason in yeah. three minutes. It's a magic and three then, minutes. Right. Yeah. And like, so, um, you know, we, we are very routine people. That's why COVID was not, not good for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, that book really, you know, talked about routine and, and the, the lean, you know, the lean culture talks about routine a lot. And I really, I think I embodied that before. So I really, you know, appreciate that. But really another just impactful thing, and this was in an article I read, and I think I was a new mom at the time. Um, but um, it talked about uh, what they call the airplane theory, which maybe you guys know, but um, I, I think that's what it's called. But it's basically like in an airplane, right? When, you know, you put on your oxygen mask first before you help others, mm-hmm. right? Because without a, without a good and functioning you, how are you really going to help other people? Um, and that was really, really eye opening at the time when I had a, a, you know, probably I think she was less than one at the time. And, you know, you just, you, you don't know, you're just in a new life place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to realize that I had to be my best me in order to be my best for the kids. Yeah. Right. And I think that applies just in general, right? I need to be my best me at work in order to be my best me for all the people who expect the best me. Right. And, um, you know, if, if that means that, um, you know, that, that I'm leaving early because it makes me feel good and then I'm more productive, you know, I have to leave early to, you know, to go to Daisy (laughs) meeting or whatever, whatever that is. And that helps make me my best me to be my best me for others. I think that's, important. And so that, you know, that article kind of, um, as brief as it was really solidified that for me. That's, I mean, Kevin, I talk about this all the time. I've, I'm in a season of like struggling around that because I'm a help everybody Mm -hmm. and and have stopped helping myself. Right. And then, then I've like got myself in this rut of like, well, I don't have time for that. Right. Like I have all these other things that need to be attended to. I don't have time for that, which is just like, so dumb. Yeah, like I get up, I get up early, and instead of going and running or spending some right. quiet time or like focusing my day, I just get right to work. Right. And I'm, I'm I'm missing out all of the airplane theory. Right. And it's not. I can tell you, <laughs> it is not a good way to go. Yeah. It's very yeah. But hurtful. think about it. Like these are all growing moments for us. Like I'm sitting oh, here. Yeah. We're we're sharing our testimonies, but as we're hearing it, you know, I'm gaining value and knowledge from from your wisdom. So this is almost like a training course for me each week (laughs) when we step in here because we have absolute awesome people that sit here and share stories and I leave a better person for it. So I'm at least grateful that this is a constant for us just to get some training for ourselves and and fill our cup and be inspired to go back out in the world and dominate. Yeah, it's really just a ruse. There's actually no podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Free training from executives. Yeah, we just want to get you in here. Nice. Talk about airplane theory so I could be a better person myself. Um, Actually, all joking aside, like people pick up on like little nuggets like that. You never know. You want to know my other one? Yeah, I do. So uh, I, I... I think when I really transformed two things, when I really kind of transformed in my career, I, I real, I, you know, I, I think I adopted or realized two things. One was, um, and, and, and I think this is a goal along with the women in construction. I think this is a female thing. We want to have everything figured out before we do it. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we hesitate to jump in. Whereas our male counterparts, you know, when offered a new position or a new something, we'll say, okay, yeah, then I'll figure it out, right? We hesitate. I, I had to get over that 
and kind of realize everything is figure outable, mm-hmm. right? I'll figure it out. That was one thing. The other thing was decision making. And those two things, I feel like a little bit go hand in hand, right? We want to have all the data and all the, you know, before we make a decision because we don't want to make the wrong decision. And I think a lot of people struggle with that, but I do think that it's almost more, you know, it, it's, it, we just struggle with it more as females. And so <clears throat> I really, uh, honed my decision-making in the data center world, which moves really, really fast. And you either make the decision or you're late mm-hmm. and a bad decision is better than late. So, um, so we were just, you know, we couldn't get an answer. We just moved. We did it. I made, I made the decision. Yeah. That's where the conduit goes. Move on. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that was the best decision I could make at the time. <laughs> I, I, I kind of, you know, was honing that at the time and saw a meme and, and I call it the squirrel meme now. And it's, it's, it literally, I wrote it down before it says, be decisive, right or wrong, make a decision. The road to life is paved with flat squirrels who could not make a decision. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and so, like, again, there's, you never know <laughs> right? what's, I love it. Yeah. what's impactful. <laughs> exactly. And we've all seen a squirrel and it doesn't know. And it doesn't end up well for them a lot of times. Yeah. And so um, sometimes there's just these very visual, that was a very visual thing to me. <laughs> Um, and so I often have to be like squirrel decision-making time. Well, and there's, there's right and wrong in life, right? Like right. Black and white. But then with decision-making, I don't even know if you, you right. can tell what's right or wrong. Right. Like you have your decision versus your decision. Mm-hmm. You know, it, who's to say what's right or wrong in that? Yeah. And, and, it, you know, whatever information you had at the time, as long as you can kind of go back and defend that, you know, that's, that's where I've gotten with that. But, um, you know, indecision is is worse than a bad decision, right? And so, um, you know, I had a, a, a you know mentor, manager, advocate, right, who, who says that all the time. The cost of indecision is way worse than the cost of a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so that's that's a way more eloquent way to say it than my squirrel meme. But no, um, I like the squirrel. I like the squirrel <laughs> but better. the squirrel resonated with me, and I it's a favorite on my it's a favorite on my phone photos. <laughs> like every once in a while, I just to look at it, but. Um, but you know, again, you don't know what's going to hit you. So yeah, that's really good. <laughs> Is it even possible that you have a one thing like after all of that? Yeah, uh, I don't know, but I, I I did write my my one thing. My one thing, um, I think would really be like, if it's not you, then who? Right? Um, and and that's you know relative to this conversation that we've been having. I told you I had to grit my teeth sometimes. And sometimes, you know, my husband would say, this is a hard industry. Like, why do you, you know, you're really smart. Like, you're good with numbers. Why don't you jump to the real estate side or, you know, something? It's got to be, you know, and I said, yeah, but, you know, there's nobody, there's nobody who does what I want to do. And he'd say, and what if you, you know, you don't know what else is out there? I said, yeah, but if it's not me, then who's going to be that, Mm -hmm. right? Who's going to be that in the construction and operations side of this. If it's not me, then who, right? And and I think that's part of what we're talking about, the ownership, you know, yeah. piece. And, um, you know, so all these things, right? Just in anything, if you see something that you want to change, if not you, then who, right? And, um, you know, it, it could be, it could be big, it could be small, it could be a process, it could be, you know, and if you're waiting for, for, for they or them, who's the they? You're the they, right? Yeah. So if not you, then who? Apparently she had a one thing. Yeah. <laughs> I My studied. Goodness. So good, so good. Lots of lots of really good things in there. Like a couple times, I got the chili bumps. I was like, "That's so good." I got to go back and listen to it. So, just thanks for hanging out with us. I appreciate it. I Thank know, you. Guys. I know this listeners is, are going to get a lot from this. So thanks. This was a lot of fun, and I, 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 like I said, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about you know women in construction, whatever I, you know, it's a passion, whatever I can do to help advance that. And, and I, I applaud you guys for giving the opportunity to help that. Happy to do it. All right, Thank thanks you for hanging. Cool.